So we said today that we're going to talk about boundaries and disciplining and um, helping children to make good choices. And the Bible's full of, you know, obedience and blessings and curses and, and what goes with that. But um, the scripture I'm going to read first is from Romans 12, verse 17 to 21. Because God's discipline and God's way of doing things is, is just very counterculture to the world. So it says, um, <clears throat> Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to eat. If he's in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome e evil by evil, but overcome evil by good. And so just the concept of loving your enemies, being kind to those who persecute you, is just against our, our, our earthly nature. And so... When we're wanting to bring kids up, we need to bring them into God's ways and the way God does things, and that God is kind and he's loving, and um, but he also has boundaries, and if you walk outside his boundaries, you're unprotected, and so you can get hurt. Um, and so Paul read some of the scriptures from Proverbs last week about not withholding discipline from a child, Proverbs 23, and... Um, <clears throat> Proverbs 22 verse 15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of di discipline will drive it far from him. And just the kids are full of themselves and they try everything. So there's just this, this folly that, that we need to guide and we need to help to mature um, into, into what God has. And then the other, the other scripture that's so pivotal, it's from Proverbs 3, 11 to 12, but it's quoted in Hebrews. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. So we know God disciplines us and he does it because he loves us because he doesn't want us to do what's going to hurt us ultimately and what's going to lead to destruction. And so in the same way, the motivation of growing our children is, is to get them um, to obey God and to bring them up to know him, to love him, to serve him, to please him, as we said. So it, the aim is not to get little robots or get them to do exactly what you say, you say. The aim is to get them to grow in God into what he's called them to. And so it's, yeah, as I said, we, we need to hear from God prophetically for what our, who our child is and what he's made them for because that's going to help us to parent them into his purposes. And so, I mean, we've got five. They are completely different. Um, there are a lot of similarities, but, but we can't be unfair in our discipline. But, but we do tweak different things for different kids, you know, um, with being fair. They, they will all tell you that Sam is the favorite child because he's got the least hidings. So I said, yeah, because Sam... If I said to him, don't do that, he stopped. The rest of you went on. So you got the hidings. So you have to, um, you know, it, we want to change in behavior. We don't, we don't, we're not out to smack our kids, you know. 
Um, so, but we want them to understand, and they need to understand what you say. Um, that that. I mean, there are lots of good books on, on parenting. There's one called Shepherding a Child's Heart by um, Ted Tripp. It's excellent. There's another one called Raising Kids Who Love Jesus. I've got them if you want to borrow them. And bits of, bits of them have been great, you know. And, and just ask God because sometimes you just need to read that, you know, and he'll show you where, what you need to read or who you need to talk to. Um, but that baby and child care book um, that I spoke about, that fo Focus on the Family big book, you're also welcome to borrow that. But that just, for me, had the most balanced chapter on discipline because it's it's saying you've got different styles, you've got different, you know, there's no hard and fast rules, but but this is what we, we're aiming for Jesus and we're aiming for what, what God wants. Um, so there's a thing called the Westminster Catechism. I don't know if you've heard it, but the churches got together at some time in history and they, they came up with what is the sole purpose of man? So reading the Bible and understanding what, what are we here for? What would you define if you could say one sentence? What is the sole purpose of man? And they said the sole purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so that's what we want our kids to, to, to be, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Because that that is the summary of what we were made for, you know. And yes, it has all its outworkings. Um, but it's so important to communicate. And you can communicate with a kid in nappies. You can communicate. They hear your tone. They hear your, you know, the way you, you talk to them. But they need to understand as best their little mind can what, what you're trying to communicate to them. Um, and some, sometimes, honestly, ask God to help you get into their head, like what are they thinking, how do they see this, why are they reacting like this, because, and I, I remember when the kids were little and I'd spend a lot of time with them and Paul would come home and I'd have to say, you can't expect them to do that, they can't, you know, or try and help Paul to understand what's, what's you can expect from that age kid, you know, because it obviously is, is different. Um <clears throat> So all forms of dis discipline that, that you get in the word, um, encouragement, correction, rebuke, entreaty, instruction, warning, teaching, and prayer are all ways that, that we can guide our children. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So, so I think that the, the concept, and if we read Psalm 53, where David is confronted about his, his um, sin with Bathsheba. He never came and repented. Nathan had to go find him. So don't wait for your kid to come and say sorry. Sometimes you have to go find him um, when they've done something wrong. But, but David just breaks down and he does that beautiful Psalm 53. And it says, against you and you only have I sinned, Lord. So this concept of we sin first against God, and then we sin against, you know, one another or other people or disobey our parents, whatever. So, so that we, that, so when as our kids got older, we were like, talk through discipline, whatever had to happen. And now we're saying sorry, and it was like, who do you say sorry to? You say sorry to Jesus, and you say sorry to mom, or you say sorry to your sibling, or you say sorry to whoever. But that you always are making right with God as well as with whatever else happens because 
primarily if you've sinned, you've sinned against God. So, um, and that just that I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So there's just an opportunity as they get older and you've learned Bible things and that they use the word and preach the gospel because we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're not here to point fingers. We like, we know we've sinned ourselves, but with Jesus inside you, you don't need to sin, you know, and, and, and trying to always use an opportunity to, to teach them scripture, to teach them the redemption story of God, because God is a redeemer. <clears throat> so, so that childcare book, um, and I certainly noticed this, said that you can start guiding a child's behavior from about eight months. They are able to, you, they understand if you say no, or they understand your tone of voice. Um, but if you get to 18 months and you haven't started anything, it's quite late. You, you're going to struggle because by 18 months they're running around and they have their own wills. So, so it's this guiding age-appropriate discipline, um, but I love the sentence, discipline um, needs to be at the right time for the right reasons and with the right safeguards. So if we're talking about smacking your child, you need to always think, is it the right time, is it for the right reasons, and is it with the right safeguards? Because if you come from an abusive family and you've been abused, be very careful and get help to sort out your issues because you, you, that's your knowledge of discipline. And so it's not for everybody. And as I say, if your kid will obey without a smack, brilliant. Then some kids might not ever need a smack or, you know, but, and you can parent without smacking, but it is a long way around. And some kids respond and some don't. So I can tell you, when we said to my children, what, what should we say at parenting? And they were like, smack your kids. So I was like, really, do you want to come and tell them that? And they were, Susie was an au pair for a family, and the, the lovely Christian family, but a psychologist, and doesn't believe you, you withhold sugar. And you, she was so frustrated. She said, all these kids need is a good smack, and they would be so much happier, you know. So... So, but I had strong, I've got strong children. And so <clears throat> they, they, they all are very big proponents of, um, of smacking. But so it can be a useful tool in rearing your children. And it's for you to decide and it's for you to work, work out with God. But um, I think of any, any discipline, um, there are six principles that you must always think of. So the first one is balance love with limits. So we're not just here to be the to be the limiter. We're here to love you and to have fun and to 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 live with you and enjoy you. But there are limits to that. And I think I think children thrive with limits. And they did a beautiful study with children, and they put them in a park, but the park didn't have a fence. And so the kids didn't, they all huddled in the middle of the park because they didn't know where they could play or what was the story. And then they put kids in a park with a fence and they said, you can play. And the kids ran and jumped because they knew where the, where the boundary was and they knew this was free reign, free reign here. 
So, so kids thrive with boundaries because then they know where they stand. And they will go and push the fence and they will see, are, are you sure about that? And some of them will climb over the fence. But, but there's the concept of God's limits in our lives are, are that they're there for your benefit. And you, th there's a huge place to play within the limits of, of um, God's boundaries and your, whatever your boundaries are. Um, the other co important concept is that children, um, children, parents must lead the home. You're the adult. You're the one with the knowledge. You need to lead this thing. <laughs> because if you leave it to kids to lead it, they'll try. They'll have a good try. But, but then you're not helping them because God gave them to you to lead them. So boundaries give children stability and they give them confidence. Um, the other important thing, like I was saying, is distinguish what is normal for their age so what you can expect of them, what is childish irresponsibility? If a child knocks something over, children do that. Do not discipline them for knocking something over, even if it's granny's china that is expensive. It, it was a mistake, you know. So just be careful that, that we're not disciplining childish irresponsibility. We're not disciplining things that is what they do at that age. You know, a, a toddler will throw its toys because they lack the feeling of throwing. So make a space where they can throw their toys and learn, but they can't hit another kid with it or something, you know. So, so learn and, and, and understand what's normal. But there will come a time when they will willfully defy you. So they will come and you will say X and they will push you. And they will say, really? Let's try this. And that's where you have to step in. Because that's where you have to create a boundary, is when there's willful defiance, where they know what you want from them, and they are refusing to do it. Um, so leave the exploring, leave the irresponsibility. But willful defiance, and they say it's really from about 15 months onwards. I reckon ours were younger than that. But um, where, where you, 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 you click in. They, they're just testing you now. They want to see, like, how, how real is this? I remember, Josh, the one time I was like, put your, put your blocks in the, in the box. He put his blocks in the box every day. And he looked at me and he goes, no. And we literally sat there, and I didn't let go and until, he, until he did it. But there was this like, because I thought, he has to understand, this is not, sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. This is, this is it. Now, you know how to do it, and you have, you have to win those, those battles. And sometimes you don't win them that day, because whatever can happen. But, but do, and it's part of their development. It's part of their growing. I remember... When my kid first lied, I was absolutely devastated that my kid had lied. And somebody said to me, you should be grateful they've lied. It's part of their development. Because once they understand what a lie is, they're growing. They're growing because now I can tell the truth or I can lie. So don't, they're just testing out. Like, so you catch them on their lies and you show them that lies is the devil's language. <laughs> Do you want to speak the devil's language here? So, so you know, you... you Use scripture, but um, but lying is a normal developmental stage around three or four. They, and it's not telling that wonderful imagination story. It's it's a blatant lie. Did you do this? Yes, but you didn't, or you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so, and some kids can refuse and be dramatic about it. Some kids kids can refuse and just be completely passive. So they just 
passive aggressive. So they, they, never, they never throw a tantrum or anything, but they're just not going to do that. And they're going to head off. And that's just as bad as the kid who has a t- tantrum and says no, because neither of them is doing it, you know. So, um, <clears throat> so you need them to, they need to know who's in charge. And that's your God-given authority because you're the parent and I'm going to give an account to God for my children, you know, that, that that's my responsibility is to bring them up in the ways of the Lord. And <clears throat> so, yeah, James Dobson says, if they're looking for a fight, don't disappoint them because sometimes you are tired and you don't actually want to go down this route. But don't let it slide because then you've got to take back territory. So just calmly, quietly, you know, take them aside. And, and we, we always um, discipline our children in private. We take them away from the situation so that you can calm down as well before, while you're walking to the bathroom. So you can pray and have a deep breath before you deal with, with whatever needs dealing with. And it, it, it's exhausting. I mean, there were times my daughter's delightful, but she was the most feisty t- um, toddler. And she's the one who took all her clothes off, and you know, she 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 was just dramatic, and and she used to get cross, and then she used to sweat because she was crying, and 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 so then she didn't want to sweat, so she took her clothes off. So you'd have this naked child running around, and I mean, many times at the shops, we I could see a meltdown happening, and you just park your trolley in the aisle, pick up your child, and you leave without your shopping because this is not going to end. You know, this is not the place. Shopping will have to wait, you know. So, um, but God gives us the children that we deserve and that we need, and that's going to grow us as much as grow them. So, I learned lots, many lessons with with Susanna, um, and and as I say, she's she is a delight, but she's incredibly strong, and that's a beautiful thing to be incredibly strong. So, the one time, I mean, there were times I, I used to say to Paul, I feel like I'm taking on Satan and his whole demon cohort when I, when I deal with this child sometimes because it, it was this war, you know. But, and you just have to be consistent because those, those tantrums can go for, I mean, it was probably two years where we would probably have at least one a day, if not more, you know. And, and it, I needed lots of prayer and help from my friends, but it was that consistency. Just don't give up. She's going to learn. She's going to learn. Just love her. Be kind. You know, um, and, yeah. So, and then, I mean, and don't, don't listen to that nonsense, like terrible twos. If you go around saying terrible twos, you are speaking death over your kid. So, Susanna was three and a half when it started. So, you know, forget and, but just don't speak to you don't nobody's not everybody's going to have a Susanna you might have a wonderful little toddler and then everybody told me oh well if they're like that imagine what they're going to be like as teenagers Susanna was a breeze of a teenager you know so so don't let people label your kid and speak words over your children um, number four of the six says accept the conflict between a parent and child is inevitable so even if you've got a compliant child, there will be conflict at times. And so you haven't done anything wrong. You're growing them in the way. And, and think back to your own life and, and how we are all apt to sin. Hey, <clears throat> But that 
the, the fifth one is love and concern for your child's best interests must be your final guide. So, so why are we doing this? Are we doing this because I'm embarrassed about their behavior or am I doing this because it's not good for them? So always check yourself that, that what is your motive here? Is it their best interest? Because we don't need picture book children. We want godly children who love the Lord. And how we get there is our own journey with them and with the Lord. Um, and then number six is stay on your knees. And as I said, it, it, that's, that's the bottom line, to hear from God for your child. Because if your kid's having a meltdown every day, you, you immediately think, well, I'm doing something wrong. You know, I, I, I must be doing something wrong. But you're not necessarily doing something wrong. So Lord, show me. And then we had beautiful people that, like Paul said, the lady whose kid bit everybody. So her kid was now a teenager. And she came to the, did a mom's group at church, and she told us about the kid biting. And I was like, oh, well, thank goodness Susanna doesn't bite people. You know, at least I just have to deal with taking the clothes off. So, um, And the other thing is, is she loved changing her clothes. So she would just take off her, she just wanted a different, like, five outfits a day, which irritated me intensely. This is washing, but... But Linda Morkel also said to me, she said, that's their creativity. She said, just let them. Let them dress how they want to. Let them change their outfits. She said, that's not a fight that you, that you want to fight. Let them explore their creativity. And if they want to wear purple and orange and blue shoes to school, let them. Just let them explore and be themselves. Like, don't sit there wanting them to wear. The, and, and that was very helpful to me because... As a mom, you have all these, these preconceived ideas, but maybe your kid's got a different style, and all toddlers have got a style, So, um, and all other mothers will appreciate that. So, <clears throat> and, but, but one of the primary bases of growing your children to know the Lord is that you praise them and you affirm them and you speak words of life and you praise them and you celebrate them and you, you just speak life over them and you and you love them and you tell them they're beautiful and you tell them you're proud of them and still when when we speak to our kids on the phone in at varsity we always Paul always ends with I love you I'm proud of you and because it's got nothing to do with what you do we're just proud of you because you're a kid you know um and so we praise and we celebrate and they pick your flower and the petals have all gone by the time it comes to you and you just say, thank you, that's so beautiful and thank you for being caring, thank you for thinking of mom, whatever. Um, and even at school, when they start to get sort of measurable achievements, like they might do well at school or they might kick a goal, or they, that's all wonderful and we celebrate that. But always celebrate character more than achievements. Because actually character is what God's building and what we want in our children. So if somebody's kind or helpful or, you know, looks after the new child or something, that, that should be celebrated as much, if not more, than, you know, kicking a goal or getting an A for a test or, you know, that's, that's all great. And I've got kids of varying academic abilities. So, so you really, I mean, they're like, but I didn't get what Josh get. And I, I was like, yeah, but you didn't. God didn't give you what Josh's, Josh's brain. So Josh's brain has to achieve the 95s because that's his portion in God, his talents. So he's got to be faithful with his talents. I'm totally fine with your 65. Is that better than you did last time? Yes. Did you try your best? Yes. 
Okay, you didn't try your best, so let's just try your best. But I'm never going to expect you to get, you know, you, you walk your own portion out. Um, because they compare each other all the time. So you have to keep breaking that down and saying that's, that's their walk and that's their achievement, that's not yours. Um, so yeah, character before performance that we celebrate, helping, caring, manners. Um, and, and then just, yeah, just telling them they are amazing, telling them they're so handsome, telling the, the girls they're beautiful. Uh, I loved, um, before we had kids, they, one of the eldership couples had a little daughter called Olivia, and she was just this little fresh flower, and she, she's become an artist. And people used to say, Olivia, you're beautiful. And she'd go, I know. And then she'd go running off. And I was just like, that is so beautiful. Hey, she knows. She knows she's beautiful. Um, <clears throat> we want them to have that godly confidence, you know, in, in what he's made them. So as we were saying, they need to know, um, we need to understand what they're capable. So these are things that you would not usually punish. You don't punish exploratory behavior. You might just not let them explore the plugs or something. So get the plug um, um, protectors or put the couch in front of the plug. So, um, but that just change the environment so that it's not dangerous. We don't punish toilet training. Toilet training is a neurological developmental stage. Some train earlier, some train later. Yes, you can help them along, but some kids aren't going to. So please don't ever discipline them for, you know, peeing in their pants or having an accident because it's and, – and when they get stressed, then often they regress in those things. So – and it will happen at the airport as you're getting on the plane or something dramatic. Just keep it together. It's an accident. Sorry, always keep clean clothes and wet wipes and just deal with it. Put it in the packet. Chuck the packet away if you want to. But um, don't don't discipline them for your embarrassments. Um, bedwetting. Some kids, it's again a neurological thing. It's It can be tough. There can be 10-year-olds. I think it's 10% of 10-year-olds still wet their beds, and it's more in boys than girls. But it's not something you discipline. You can reward and see if that works, but there's lots of doctors who will tell you what you can do and how to do it and pray, 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 but please don't discipline or punish them for wetting their bed. Speech problems. If they've got a speech impediment, we do not punish kids for that. We train them. We teach them to say the right thing. We get them help if they need it. So my middle son, Sam, had a lisp. He just would get lazy and he'd lisp. So we like left it and left it, and he'd had grommets and stuff. So his hearing, um, his speech was a little bit delayed because of his hearing problems. So we sorted out the hearing, but he kept this lisp. So we used to like ask him to speak it out clearly. Anyway, eventually it was getting to like grade three, and I was like, actually, and somebody said, lisp, the easiest thing, the speech therapists can change it in a day. So I book a speech therapy appointment at Livingston. I take him to Livingston. I leave him for the half an hour. I come back. She goes, he didn't lisp once. I couldn't hear a lisp at all. I'm like, oh. so he just concentrated with her and never lisped. So I was out caught in the car. I was like, and now? No, Mom, it was fine. I said, well, could you just not lisp all the time then? Cause, so she, she basically sent us home. So I was like, okay, he doesn't have to lisp. He just lisps at home when he's lazy. And so we just would correct him and slow him down and tell him to speak properly. But 
yeah, so we try these things and accidents. Yeah, if if some if they make a mistake, if they if they have an accident, and it can be dramatic, hey, it can be Granny's China, and it can be Dad's phone got dropped in the toilet, or you know, it it, it can be catastrophic in your mind and cost you a lot of money, but it's an accident. So we all make mistakes. Just deal with it as an accident. You don't smack a kid for an accident. And then I'm sure you've heard that we don't, we shouldn't discipline irritability and negativity. And I say that guardedly because um, if, if a kid's just being negative, 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 then you do deal with it. But check, are they ill? Are they tired? Are they hungry? Do they need the toilet when they're little? Because eliminate all the possibilities before you say, okay, no, this is defiant behavior. Because if they are tired, if they are hungry, um, or if they just sometimes they're just acting up and then you feel, oh, they've got a temperature, you know, they're actually not well. So so always eliminate the, um, the possibilities. We don't usually punish a report card or what's the marks they get. We don't punish those things. We talk them through it if they didn't try hard, if they were, you know, but but you're not going to, to punish that. And then you don't punish, and I, I mean, they, they write here ADHD, but some children are very active and that is their normal. Some of them would probably be classified as ADHD. But that's their normal. So, so you don't, you, you're not going to change anything if you smack them every time they're hyperactive, because that's who they are. And the most beautiful, um, I went to a lecture by a pe the pediatricians at um, Dr. Van Veek and Dr. Crutchley. They're these um, wonderful old pediatricians. I think they're probably retired. But they were talking on ADHD, and they put up a a slide, and it had a report. And it said, you know, doesn't listen in class, completely disruptive, kind of a classic ADHD report. And they said, who's that? So we were like, oh, no, we don't know. It was Winston Churchill. So he was a classic ADHD. He didn't get anywhere in school. He was a nightmare. But what happens with ADHD kids as they get older is that they, if they're interested in something, they can focus on it. Like, and you'll see um, Nick and Anna's Kutudis' boy. He's a brilliant lawyer, and he was a classic ADHD, but he can focus on something and stay with it forever. And literally, and they don't need a lot of sleep. So literally, Anna used to throw balls to him till 11 o'clock at night till he'd go to sleep because that was her kid. But so how did William Churchill get us through the war? You know, Winston Churchill get us through the war. It was... He didn't need a lot of sleep, and he could focus on the problem, which was winning a war, you know. So God has got – I'm very nervous of labels. And unfortunately, our school system is sit in a desk and learn, so that doesn't fit into a kid who doesn't like to focus on stuff he's not interested in and wants to be jumping around. So – and, and we haven't had to, to give our children medication, but lots of people in the church have chosen to give their kids um, medication to, to get through school and, you know, to help them with studying. So there are people to talk to if, if you're thinking about that and needing that. But, um, but yeah, d 
uh, God made your kid, and God made him like that. And it's not that it's it's it can be used to the good, you know. So so um don't yeah we don't want to. When Susanna was little, and I was so challenged by her, and I was like, she is just so single-minded. And because everybody says strong-willed, and I was like, no, I'm not calling my children strong-willed. I'm not labeling them that. Um, but I was like, she's just single-minded, and if she wants this, she's not going to listen to anybody. And and I was like, Lord, we just, you know, how do we deal with this? And and I was watching. TV, the one, well, the TV was on. It was the Tour de France. And it literally flashed up on the screen. Single-minded is good. And I was like, okay, Lord, <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> How is single-minded good? And, and I just got the, the understanding that actually, if, if Susanna was being persecuted for her faith and being told to recant from, from, from the, the gospel, she would never give up. She would never, ever, ever give up. So it actually is a strength to, to be able to not give up on something. And so we need to channel it, like where, where are we going to go with that? But, but what God's put in our kid is, is, is good when it's channeled into his ways. So <clears throat> listen to God and the TV when God speaks through the TV. Um, and so, so that communication and that teaching and understanding is very important before you correct them. And, and ask questions like, what happened there? What, what should you have done? And so that they firstly are telling you how much they know about the situation. What should you have done or what could you have done better? You know, so that it's a dialogue and that, that then you understand, you know, no, I hit my brother. Do we hit our brothers? No, we don't. Why? Because, you know, and that there's always, they, that there's understanding and communication around any, any form of discipline. So, the say, in the same way, there's consequences to behavior. So, but consequences need to happen quite quickly with a toddler because they can't remember five minutes later what happened. So, and so you need to get to that, and it needs to happen there and there, not wait till your father comes home. I mean, we did get on to wait till your father comes home, and that was because I couldn't smack hard enough. So I was like, wait till your father comes home, because then, because they used to laugh at me when I smacked them. They, they still tell huge jokes about mom's smacks, because she was so useless. But, um, but that was much older when they... Um, <clears throat> you can give a warning. Don't do that. And then if they do it again, then you need, but then you have to act. You can't say, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And then it gets louder and louder, and now it's turned into a fight. Don't do that. They do it again. You have to deal with it there and then. Don't wait until you've spiraled out of um, things. And don't count. I'm giving you, giving you one, two, three. Just Your word is your word. Your yes is your yes. Your no is your no. That counting story is really, it's just, just gets you more wound up than, um, than them. So some kids just respond to words. Some kids respond to tone. You, they can hear from your voice that, that that's not. Some, you can just look at them. 
you can just, mum can just give them a look and they know, whoops, better not do that. Little kids, remove them from the situation. Just remove them um, and then explain. As they get older, you can withhold privileges. You're not going to your friend, but then you've got to see it through. Don't threaten and then not do it because then they, then they know they've won. Oh, then they can do that anytime. Mum's words aren't powerful. Um, your words need to be powerful. Um, time out. I've read lots of books about time out. I've heard lots of people who give time out. My kids would not sit on a chair with and, and, and take a time out. They would get up and run. So so we never we never worked with times out, but men, they, they took a time out at school because they did sit on the chair in the Grow Good chair, we, we friends, because there's a whole lot of stuff that goes around the Grow Good chair. But at my house, if I would say go and sit over there or take them to the bathroom and say wait there, they would start pulling the toilet paper or something. It just didn't work for me. At once, I mean, I had like three, and then I'd, we had stairs, and I would like try and put one on the stair. Just use it on the chair, a stair. It, it, it just didn't work. So I'm um, all for try the timeouts. If it works for you, that's brilliant. It didn't work for me. Um, <clears throat> the other important thing about discipline, and it's the same with godly, just God disciplining us, is the concept, firstly, of repentance, forgiveness, and restitution. So, so God makes it better. So um, if they've done something, made a mess, we said we're not disciplining for making a mess, but come help me clean up. Let's get a cloth. Let's clean up what you did. Come and help me. Let, let them be part of the, the restitution and the solutions. Um, they learn to apologize, to be humble. And we have to be humble because the chances are when there's been a, a big chadunta, you've probably done something wrong in the meantime. You've either shouted or you've been firm or you've you know, been unfair in some way. So just know that you need to apologize as well um, and keep your heart humble um, in, in, the, in the story. And as they get older, they will hold you to account for um, rightly and wrongly. I mean, my, my one son, he will play the arguing game and try and show you how you wrong. And you go down this rabbit hole, and then Paul's like, stop right there. You are manipulating. I'm like, yeah, he was manipulating. So you need to be one step ahead, and sometimes it takes the other one to, because you know, if he can get you onto what you did wrong, then you off what he did wrong. So so you, it does become a bit of a mind game, um, but you, you don't have to enter, enter, enter the mind games. Um, but yeah, restitution, fix the mistake. How can we make this better? It's definitely saying sorry and, and being humble, but just that God is a God that restores. Um, and then it, there comes a time when you might actually allow consequences to happen. So be careful and not, but um, as, especially as they get older, they need to kind of start living with the consequences of their decisions. And so... Um, I'm trying to think. I just remember a good example, which wasn't from our kids, but their kid got their allowance and they wanted to spend their whole allowance on a pair of designer shoes. And she was like, that is the dumbest thing that you could ever do. And then Doug, actually it was Doug and Sheena, Doug said, let him. So just let him because he's going to then live with no money and a pair of designer shoes that aren't going to, that he's going to grow out of or he's going to lose or 
because let him live with the consequences of the decisions they make. So, so it needs to be at the right age and in the right circumstance because we don't want to live, let them live with the consequences of putting their finger in a plug. So, but, but you know what I'm saying. Just sometimes, you, you know, don't do that, don't do that. Okay, well, let's, you know, let's see. Okay, can you see why I said don't do that? Because that happened, you know. Um, <clears throat> so look for opportunities to, um, yeah. And, and, and if they break, come home with a brand new toy and they break it, don't go buy another one. Just let them stew for a little bit. Like, you broke it, but there's no more toy. Or you can, you know, there is rest, but don't quickly try and if they leave their bike out and it gets stolen, don't run out and buy another bike. Okay, well, we've got no bike for a while, you know, because what had happened? You left it outside, you know. So um, so we can, and I mean, the, the favorite one is if they leave their lunch or their sports kit at home and the mothers all run off to the school to take it. I mean, most of the schools now are not letting a mother come in with anything. So they are helping you to let them have consequences. But the, the, yeah, consequences are, are important ways of learning. Um, so there needs to be the reconciliation and the comfort. And it's a bit tricky when they will not say sorry. So, so then you have to get to that point of, okay, they've understood, they've had the consequence, they don't want to say sorry, leave them because generally things will continue to go wrong and then you're like, what does Jesus say? What do we need to do? And they come back and say sorry. Um, and as I said, you apologize to the parent or whoever's been wronged. And if they stole something at school, you go back and apologize to the person that you stole it from. Or you, you know, you, it, can, it can have consequences, this apology. But we apologize to whoever was wronged, whoever was, um, yeah, and ask forgiveness for that. Um, as I said, if you've had um, a history of, of abuse, please get counseling. Um, please make sure that you're not perpetuating anything that, that you experienced. Um, and then the parents have got to agree. You can't have one parent who smacks and the other one doesn't. That That's going to, I mean, you can, I suppose. But but I really encourage you that the parents are on the same page about what we're going to do for what so that there's consistency and understanding. Um, and I agree with, with, it says you really delegate the responsibility of smacking. It's a, it's a parental thing. You love the child enough, so you have got enough love to, to be able to smack your child. But we don't hand that over. I'm, I'm not for corporal punishment in schools. They, they don't love my kid. They can't whack my kid. You know, um, so, and even at We Friends, they, I mean, they don't smack their now, but when they did, they would call the parents to, to, to deal with the child because, and maybe you've got grandparents or something and you've got a relationship where, where you would delegate that authority, but be very careful to delegate, um, yeah, your discipline. To, my kids hate being disciplined by anybody other than their parents. And they, they know when they go to certain people's houses, I, I, I explain, you know, Heather's in charge. So, you know, Heather's, um, so they can, but, but yeah, they don't like it when, especially if it's in our presence. They can't bear it if people discipline them in while we are there, and I don't like it either. So you can speak to grandparents and just say, 
can we just deal with this? <laughs> because, it's the, yeah, they really don't like that. Um, you don't want your teachable moments. So there, there's um, a lot of people teach about teachable moments. There are times where you just have a gap to teach them something. You don't want those teachable moments to only be when you disciplining them. So really look for teachable moments in your day. Um, or you can see it happening on the, on the sports field. Talk about, you know, remember what happened to him? And then talk into how it went down and how it could have gone down better. Or, um, so look for, for teachable moments that aren't always um, a negative thing, but they, always, they, might, you know, they might often be that you're putting boundaries in place. Um, and as I said, you preach the gospel. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It is, it is such a powerful thing to say, you've messed up, God forgives you. He washes your sin as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? It's just, there's no, there's, you can never have east and west together. So, so it's, that's how far away he's driven your sins from you. What a privilege that he's washed you white as snow. He remembers your sins no more. If you say to Jesus, what did I do yesterday? He'll say, I don't know, because I don't remember, because it's gone. So we are justified freely by his grace. It is such a beautiful thing to teach your children what, you know, what forgiveness is and what repentance is. And they teach us so much, their questions and their little comments and how they understand things. So Ryan, um, who's number four, He's, he's quite spiritual. He's, he's always asking deep things about God. But when he was about three or four, and that's another thing to say, three or four-year-olds are incredibly spiritually hungry. So, so if you can send your kid to a Christian school, preschool, do, because they are little sponges, and they just absorb things. And then when they get to four or five, You'll say something to them and they'll kind of, they'll listen, but they, they're weighing it up like, let's see. But when they're three and four, they just, they just remember those scriptures. They just remember everything. And so Ryan was, was sort of three or four and we'd been talking about and he'd learned at school about God. And he said to me, Mom, I want to die. I'm like, okay, boy. <laughs> he says, Mom, I want to die and be with Jesus. And he was absolutely 100%. He just had understood what it was to be with Jesus, and it was like, why are we on this earth? Like, I just want to die. And it was like such a wake-up to me that this little boy could understand that that was cool, and that was actually the best place to be, was with Jesus, you know. So, But the same little boy who'd given his heart to the Lord and looked for opportunities to, to tell them about, about the Lord and for them to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, it's... it's I had the opportunity with all my kids to to start their their journey um, with the Lord, but and it can happen anywhere at any time. So, but so he'd given his heart to the Lord, and we discussed how Jesus lives in your heart, and He's in you, and you're His child. So he did something, and I said, "Boy, that doesn't really like fit with Jesus being in your heart." So he goes, "I asked him to leave." <laughs> So I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay, boy, so now I'm devastated. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so I said, oh, okay. He says, he's on my arm. <laughs> I said, okay, boy, let's pray him back into your heart, okay? Okay, Jesus, please come back in my heart. <laughs> so we were okay. So 
<laughs> yeah, they give you these little curveballs. And um, so another thing I often say to my kids, because they will say the right thing but with the wrong attitude. Attitude is everything. Because if you've got the right attitude, you humble. I mean, Ryan and Michael now, they, they spat and spar all the time. And what Ryan is saying to Michael is, is correct, but the way he's saying it is just horrible. And I'm like, attitude, bud. You know, the, the, the words that are coming, if you wrote them on a piece of paper, they're fine. But the way you're saying it is not fine. You know, so attitude is everything. And we spoke about lies. We do not tolerate lying. It is the devil's language. You're bringing Satan into our home. Um, and so if you did something and then you lie and say you didn't do it, you're going to get two smacks. A smack for what you did and a smack for lying or punishment, whatever. Remove their cell phone. That's probably the most powerful thing you can do to a teenager. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that lies, lies aren't every. And, and when Susie was going through her, her stages, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, rebellion is witchcraft. Eventually I was like, do you know that, and, and I mean, they all know about witches from the, from those nursery rambles. I said, rebellion is, oh, you are rebelling. You are, as if it's witchcraft, you know. So, so ask God for the right scripture and train them in the way that they should go. Yeah. Please remember that slider. If you remember a question that you wanted to ask uh, in the week, please do connect on to slido, sli.do.com, and uh, you can answer whatever questions. I don't know where the code is, but I will find it if you need it. So are there any questions which you would like to ask specifically, pertinently? There's no problem if there aren't. Nothing. Quite uh, Question. Let me just carry on my recording here, sorry. Okay, a uh, question about when you're trying to decide whether your child understands something and whether he's being disobedient, oh, disobedience versus not understanding. Uh, when you're saying, okay, you're being disobedient and I want to discipline him, but was he really understanding at that moment kind of thing? Yeah. So ask him if... And, and if you, they get crafty and they'll give you an answer. But if in doubt, don't discipline. Because you need to build trust and you need to give them the benefit of the doubt. But, but ask them or wait for that moment to, to, to dissipate. And then at another opportunity, say, how would you do this? Or what, what should you do here? Or, you know sound them out as to their understanding of what's required. And it's totally age-dependent. But, um, yeah, and, and, and I, you know, he, your, your son is, is a special needs kid, so I'm not expert in this. But Glenda is coming next week, and she's going to talk about adoption because she's got two adopted children, and she's going to talk about special needs. So, but, but yeah, we get quite discerning as parents because we're with them all the time and we so so yeah you can, you can generally if they are pulling the wool over your of your eyes you can generally you might not catch them that time but you'll realize like they catch themselves almost you know 
So, um, so yeah, try and, or if you see them do, and, and praise them when they do it right. You know, praise them when they do it right, because they all love to be praised, and they want positive affirmation. You know, so often if you just praise good behavior, you can you can deal with bad behavior because you're praising the good, you know, and then they, they want to be good So, um, a lot of the time. So ask God to show you how to how to discern what's, what they can understand and what they can't. Yeah. Anything else? Like they can be besties. <laughs> how do you stop them from hitting each other? They can be besties in public, and so everybody thinks they're just amazing until you get in the car and you get home, and you're like, seriously? <laughs> Rope. <laughs> Yeah, that is a challenge, and um, but it's not tolerated. Violence is never tolerated, never. There has to be a, a, a consequence and a, a strong repercussion if, if there's violence. And uh, e even in youngsters. So, <laughs> yeah, it's young. When we had a four-year-old put a plastic spade through a friend's head. I think what upset the friend the most was that I laughed. But um, <laughs> we did we did fix it. But it can't be tolerated and it has to they have to be separated and from from taking away privileges to corporal punishment if that's what you do, but to separate them and and to to deal with it to and, and there's a process. What does Jesus say? That we are we love our brother. Yeah, but I don't like that. That's irrelevant. Loving doesn't hit. Love your enemies. Be kind to those who persecute you. The one thing that, that, that I did find um, is that rough play with their dad was very helpful. So, so especially when you went away, um, they would just miss, they love that kind of rough play, that like rolling on the bed. And we lived in a flat, so the bed was always where they could go and wrestle with dad. And But the kids love that rough play. And often when they're being niggly and they're um, hitting each other, and Paul would just take them and just rough them and just love them and, and you know, and especially the boys, you know, just, just really have like rough, rough and tumble with them. And it just, it helped so much, yeah, yeah. And in fact, if Paul was travelling for a long time, I often used to send them off to Stan or somebody and just let them <laughs> let them have a bit of dad time, you know. Listen, I do have an interesting daughter, but she was just as good with a, a, a fart on the bed. She would get stuck in just as hard as the boys. Only thing is, we do have to be careful because we have to be teaching our boys. That that's a princess, and you don't punch a girl, ever. No violence against girls. Yeah, but it's not fair. She can punch me. Yeah, I'll knock you out if you punch her. So there is a bit of a, a challenge, but she can tackle. She can be tackled. But just remember, you're the boy is three times the weight. You don't have to knock her out when you tackle her. Just be careful. Um. Yeah. Just you mentioned the kid that bites. So at what age do we know if it's her teething or her biting? Because I get a few nibbles from time to time, and she's 10 and a half months, but just like a little, <laughs> 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 
and and I didn't really notice it until we came here and you spoke about the bath and I thought like hmm like should I should I do something about this I obviously just squeal and go <laughs> and she probably thinks it's funny <laughs> I would discourage the funny part of it but I mean Beth can maybe answer better than me but I, I would address it every time she says hey that's sore don't don't do that's hurting me don't do that and they'll know ten they know tone. Is so she's ten ten months and was it okay um, yeah and then you just go oh that's all you know they they hear your tone immediately I remember sometimes when you breastfeeding they bite you and somebody said you just flick their cheek just give them a little flick and then they like oh, they realised that they mustn't do that you know so <laughs> not hard but you just yes yes I mean you you're gonna cry you know you're like ah. But but yeah, just you just flick their cheek and they, they learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't ignore it. I'm trying to think how to ask this. In in terms of I don't want to say what to discipline, what not to discipline. A specific example. My daughter, I don't wanna go to church, I don't wanna go to youth. Do you say I'll take your phone until you go to youth? Or until we pray to no such a thing. How to what extent do you say we are just stopping and let you be and pray and trust God, or do you continue? Yeah, what what is the guidance there? So now the rubber hits the road. This is <laughs> this is the real thing. You've done everything good when you they were small, and now they really can test the boundaries. Now now the boundary is real. So just let me digress a little bit. We had, don't punish them by saying you can't go to youth. That is a big no, don't do that. If they want to go to youth, make sure that every opportunity that they can go to youth. So even if they've messed up big time that day, don't use youth as a stick. Youth is your friend. They must go to youth if they can. So sorry, I'm only just standing here so that you don't have to crane around. The, the wisdom over there will answer better than me, I'm sure. But um, th that is the, the reality is, for me, it's, hey, as a family, this is what we're doing. We're going to church. Youth is a little bit of a challenge because it's voluntary. So I pray that my children do want to go to youth, that they do find a friend that they want to go to youth with, but church is something that we do as a family. Yeah, but I don't want to. That doesn't matter. We do it. You know that game of rugby that you or whatever the chess match that you played and we all went to watch? I didn't want to go there either. But we did it as a family. Now we're doing this as a family. We do church. Has she given her heart to the Lord? Would you say she's a Christian? Younger. Yes, yes. And then all of a sudden, church, yes, definitely, as Paul is saying, I mean, we said, this is what we do as a family, we go to church. I was just bothered that she doesn't want to go to the more years, but we thought it would be a nice way. So, in terms of, we've set them down. There was a one time, there was a I think one youth conference or something in my respect, and then she came all excited. 
around the table, you know, she wanted, she said she wanted to be baptized, and then we started like, okay, we won't stop you, but do you understand what that means? Give me your heart, you'll follow after us. We've done that with both of them. But then, you like... Did she get baptized? Yes, she got baptized. Okay. Not, not a church, but it was during the year. And can she explain to you why she doesn't want... No, I just, I just go to church because you guys tell me to, but... I'm not a Christian. I okay, so she's saying she's well, not a Christian. She's not yeah, Christian. yeah, yeah. She just yeah. doesn't. Um, she feels because I'm like, what changed mm. in terms of um, God? Well, it's what you guys taught me. It's like that is that was the only way. So according to her, she's been what is the way like of indoctrinated? Yeah, mm. is that the way? It's like there were never options mm. out there. And now one is older, and then there are actually options. So it's like I'm a Christian because you guys, that is what you introduced me to in a way. So for me, that is, I mean, yes, the issues of character, the issue of manners, I definitely want that. But for me, the important thing is the relationship with the Lord. I know sometimes it might seem like it overshadows everything, but it's something that is important to me and that bothers me. So in terms of church, yes, we all do come to church. I mean, we serve, we do things, but because my parents said this is what we do as a family, but there's no, I know you don't compare kids, but unlike Kucholuso, who seems to have, but also Tato at that age, I mean, we were not begging, something she understood. She loved coming to Betis, she used to beg for Betis, you know, and then, wow, and Mama went to audition, they said there's a band starting up, and it's like there was a switch, we always loved that not laugh, actually, we joke, I suppose, just to keep ourselves sane. <laughs> that is like there was a switch. Yes, things are better, I mean, with time, but in terms of that voluntarily willingness to come to church and all that. I mean, prayer, we have tens, you know, we take tens praying at home. And some stage was asking, you know, do I really have to pray? Yeah, you know, we pray, we all pray in this family, whatever. But my thing is, she's going to go away, then does it mean when she's out there? She stops because we are not there. And the thing is that it is voluntary, and we can't force somebody to do anything. And and that is God gave us free choice. And and why did He allow us to sin? You know, why did He give us the garden and then give us Satan? Why? Because because you need to choose what is right. It it love. It's not love if you don't choose it. If it's just if you're forced to do it, it's not love. And so, so yeah, and I know you're praying and we're all praying, you know, for her. But, but just, just hold on. She needs to, she needs, it needs, God, God wants her to want him and to love him and to choose him. Because everything else there is a counterfeit and it's going to hurt and it's going to cause trouble. And sometimes they need to, they need to just experience that, you know, and, and then go running back to God, you know. I, I, there was a girl in the church who who lived a wild life and um, and got saved. And apparently in the, um, the kind of, I think of Braveheart, those armies, what they used to do is if the army was, was going forward to attack, they would take – the skulls of the enemy and put them on sticks so that if they tried to run away and go backwards, they'd see these enemy's skulls and they'd continue to go forward. And she said, she said, my life was that bad. 
She said, I don't want to go back to anything there. She says, it's like all the sins of my, of my past are these, are like those skulls on the, on the posts because I just want to run to Jesus because that's how bad it was, you know. So God turns everything to the good, you know. And, and even if we've, you know, we've all done hectic things in our, in our lives and, and I, hope, I hope we haven't, but, but we all know in our heart we could have, you know, if, if we didn't. So, so, yeah, sometimes we just, we just have to trust that God will, will use the, the, the negative choices that they make and the rebellion because he can turn it around, you know. But, but I do know this, that, that God doesn't want a forced believer. There is no such thing. You ha it has to come from your heart, you know. And, and if she's been baptized, she's been there. So something's got in. And ask God, what is, you know, what is there? Like, what, what was that switch? Because the enemy will come and try, you know. But God can, can show you what it is, you know. And you just keep praying and keep praying and keep praying. We will never stop loving you. We will never stop praying for you, you know, because God is real to me. And if he's not real to you, I pray that it becomes real to you. Yeah, yeah. But we can't force it. And I, and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't try and force it to go to youth. Um, ask her, you know. But just pray and pray and pray. We all praying, hey, yeah. And sometimes it's those people that, when the lights come on, it comes on brightly, you know. So just, just, and just if you've got prophetic words, you just pray them, you speak them, you and speak them over her. I think there was a time when my one son was in quite a dark place, and I just got out the words of God, and I said, "This is what God said. Remember, God said this. Remember, and you just speak the life, you know." Um, over them and um, yeah, just just declare the, the promises of God over them. Yeah. Let me encourage you. The we were at some conference or at some point, and a, a young girl came up to me crying. I'd never seen her in my life before. I thought. Anyway, she said, "I'm so and so's daughter." And I used to sit on a Sunday night on the blanket and, and not listen, do my coloring in or whatever. And I went on a bit of a walkabout, uh, but I'm back. And I, the reason I'm back is because I remember those days of just hearing you preaching, hearing us worshiping, and it made me realize that's the real. And she's back. So never give up. We never, never, never give up. Can't give up in all these things. It's just some word of encouragement as a parents that we shared sometimes the same issues. Um, just giving example from my son. I hope he's not listening to me because he's there in the back. <laughs> yeah, but even if he's listening, yeah, I can explain. He knows. Yeah, um, there is a time we were sitting together at home, just uh, chatting about Jesus, and you say, oh, I'm saved. The mom is saved. You two saved it during the youth time. My daughter, yeah, you saved it during uh, sitting time. And then we check in the phone and say, oh, this is a picture during my baptism. And then, yeah, you, you, you are baptized. Then when we check, we find Nick. We can't see the picture <laughs> for baptism. Then we say, Nick, where are you? 
and he say, yeah, no, not yet, baptized. So it took a time, almost one year, and we didn't force, but we were chatting always, yeah, it's good. We need to see your pictures well, but you need to decide yourself. Then he said, yeah, I'm still thinking about it. So we didn't force as long as he was willing, but he was not there. Then one day, I think it was the last time, time Baptist Mayor, he came for practice, but because we have, we have been keeping talking about you're the one left at home, <laughs> you are not baptized. You go to church every day, this is something is missing. And then we find he just uh, woke up and he go in the queue, get baptized. He never told us about that. But it was working on me. Just to keep talking something positive. I had to go to church. And he, she's listening. And then the time will come. Just keep playing. Tell the good things. It will come. I think. Yeah. Thank you. Wonderful. Um, how can... I have a situation at home. It's like... My child is 13 years old, and um, he he wants to argue all the time. How can we approach that not to provoke it or keep, keep it continue? And he always has a last saying to it, and I get annoyed with it. I just want to know, how can I approach it in a different way? So... First of all, the Bible says, honor your parents and it'll go well with you. So arguing with them doesn't honor them well. So you can, if you're going to discuss something with your child, use the Bible because they can't fight it. It's not, you're going to lose, definitely. So for me, that's the first thing. Just honor me. I don't want to discourage someone discussing with me an issue. But that's, that's a good thing. I, I want them to understand what's going on and they can ask questions and do. Uh, uh, as I said, someone prayed for an inquisitive child. I'm very happy that, that what I don't understand. I, I'm good with that. But if you're arguing, and our one child is very good at manipulating that argument to his side of the story. Now, I can't have that. I, it's usually late at night. I'm not good late at night. So I've forgotten half of what I've said. Never mind arguing about what I might have said. What about his his favorite thing is this? It's not what I say; it's what I think. So I can have said anything I want, but I wasn't thinking that. No, no, no. What are you driving me crazy? No, no, that doesn't work for me either. So for me, it's a mature. Your child's old enough to be able to have a discussion, but not an argument. So. I mean, I must, sorry. So Philippians says, do everything without arguing and complaining. And so, and, and we, we can have big arguments at our house. So, so it's, it's how can we have that same conversation without arguing and complaining? Because you can. So we, we try. Every night they argue and I say, okay, let's, let's have the same conversation without arguing. Just rephrase it and change your tone and it becomes a discussion, not an argument. You know, and it takes humility. It's generally the, 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 the humility factor. And the same with complaining. Oh, this jolly load shedding. You know, oh, how can we 
how can we do this better? What can we do? We let's have candles. You know, you, you can you can comment on the load shedding without complaining. Yeah. Um, in, in in everything that you do. So so it is just just trying to change the tone. Yeah. Can I just uh, talk about one thing very quickly, and then uh, and then we'll we'll call it quits. Um, so next week we are going to look at building self-esteem how we can use discipline to build self-esteem instead of tearing the child down. works for all ages and all children. And so we'll, we'll look at that. And, and I really butchered one or two points last week. I want to fix them. Um, I didn't say them wrong. I just butchered them a bit. But in Hebrews chapter 13, the very helpful uh, scripture, sorry, verse, uh, chapter 12, in fact, the whole chapter, but mainly in, from 1 to 13, it speaks about discipline and how God's discipline. And it's very helpful in taking a child through this when they're old enough to understand what this is all about. I mean, there's no point in doing this with a two-year-old, but when they're 15, they definitely can get taken through it. And Listen, I'm hanging on to your cell phone because I told you we don't do cell phones in toilets. And this is the fifth time. No, no, it's the second time. And so now you're being disciplined. But let me help you because this is what it's all about. We are surrounded, therefore, by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that's so easily entangled. And let us run with perseverance. And the first thing with discipline, friends, you have to persevere in it. Don't give up on your children. You know, often we hear, oh, I'm sick, I've had enough of you. No, I've never had enough of my children, never. I, I, fortunately, I'm one of those people, I, when we got married, and I'm not a hero in any way, I stopped playing golf because it meant that I, it was a whole half a Saturday. We, Beth and I, when we first got married, Beth was working, I don't know, stupid hours, we were hardly seeing each other, and then on a Saturday I would say, cheers, I'm going to play golf. And then we wouldn't see it, then she'd work on Sunday. And so we just had to make a compromise because we were, I wanted to persevere. So I want you to know that my children, I want to spend time with them too. I'm very happy in my family's, with my family's company. If you're not, ask God for that because it's an incredible grace. But it says here, persevere, don't Give up. The race marked out for us. Fix your eyes on Jesus, uh, who the author and perfecter of our faith, and for the joy set before him endured the cross. If you think you're enduring something with your children, nothing to what Jesus endured. Jesus endured much, much more, so therefore I can persevere. I'm not going to give up. My child and two others who will remain nameless, but I'll tell you their mother's name if you want, Owned the Grow Good chair. They properly, every day, all three of them were in the Grow Good chair at some point at preschool. It had their name. I'm surprised they didn't give it to us with their names written on it. But they owned it. It, it, it is so discouraging. You come to school the next day, same day, pick up your child. Oh, where's Jimmy? Now he's in the Grow Good chair. Uh, oh, with his mates. Yeah, all three of them, as usual. And they'd either hit each other or they'd bitten each other or they'd. I don't even worry about what they did, but it wasn't good. But we persevered. Consider him who endured, 
And then it says, in your struggle against sin, you've not resisted to the point of shedding bread. You have forgotten the word of encouragement. Do not make light of the Lord's discipline, which is, which is what Beth, Beth said. And it goes on, it says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. Impress it upon our children when they're being disciplined that they're being treated as sons and daughters. If we didn't care, we wouldn't discipline you. You want to, uh, our children need to be, have been brought up so that they can be released on the general public and not be a nightmare. That's the whole point. It's not so that they're goody goody two shoes uh, at home. No, we want them to be good people in public because they want to be the blessing that God created them to be. Okay? So do not make light, do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. So son, I'm, I'm disciplining you because I love you. Yo, it doesn't look like it, but with a huge red welt on my butt. I love you. No, you don't. You hate me because you... I said, man, I don't care what you think. That's the other thing about you. I don't care what they think about me. I'm doing it for the best for them. Everything I do, everything is for your good. Everything. No, that rubbish. You hurt me. But that's irrelevant. Did it help you not do it again? Definitely. Perfect. I'm winning. But just remember, we, we, we are there to discipline, and if they can learn how to take correction from their parents, they'll take correction from their Heavenly Father. That's what we have to be teaching them, that they learn to get discipline from their Heavenly Father. Because otherwise, if we fail, it's very hard for them to learn discipline from It's much harder to learn as an adult. Teach them, hey, that's not godly. That's not what God would have. And he will discipline you, and it is hurtful. If you read Psalm 51, David, got, David had just murdered someone, had an illegitimate child, and was totally unrepentant. The only thing he did was he went and, and got a guy killed, the, the husband of the woman that he had just made pregnant. It was horrendous. But it says God disciplined him through the prophet Nathan, and it says it was hurtful. If you go and read Psalm 51, it's a beautiful psalm, but at the end of the psalm it says it was hurtful, painful. Punishment, uh, the, not punishment, discipline is, is, is hurtful, it's painful. And repentance is a broken heart. That's the goal. The goal of discipline is repentance. You can get a child to repent no matter what age. Even 25, the goal is to get repentance out of them. And repentance gets a right-hearted with God. And it's a, a beautiful thing. And what happens, you get righteousness, joy, and peace comes. Okay, righteousness, joy, and peace. That's what you want at the end of the day. Teach your children to very quickly respond. My one son, he, he, he was remarkable, would do the wrong thing willfully, definitely, got disciplined and was back in a flash as though nothing had happened. Not doing the same thing, but repentant, right-hearted, good with me, good with God, good with it. Very quick, very helpful trait because you're going to get rebuked by your boss at some point. You'll learn how to overcome that embarrassment and whatever, whatever. Get it over with, repent, sorry, and move along. And we can teach our children these things. These are life skills which will help them when they're big.
Okay. That's just Hebrews 12. Go and read it. It's a, it's a wonderful opportunity. Just the one thing I forgot, and you've probably heard it before. Um, so discipline is the same word for disciple, which is, comes from the Latin for a student or a teacher or, or being taught. So, so it's not punishment. It's training. It's teaching. It's discipling your child is 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 what we on about. We not. It's not about punishment and condemnation and all the things that the world thinks it's it's about. It's teaching. It's train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. Yeah. And the last, 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 last thing. Uh, I can't remember his name. Doesn't really matter. But teach your children this thing. When truth comes out quickly, it's like a flood. It's a lot of damage, but it's over in, a, in quickly. Truth that comes out slowly is like a drought. lasts for a long time. Much better to get the flood over with. Just give, me, give it all to me. I'd rather take all the damage of whatever you've done, and we can fix it quickly. Or we can let it come out slowly. One, and then it's just discipline, discipline, discipline. We want to we get it out quickly, get it over with and done. Okay. hope that's helpful. If there are questions, please just uh, send them. And uh, we're very happy to stay here for as long as necessary. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You love us. And you discipline us, Lord God. And then you give us this awesome opportunity to bring up your children. And thank you that you give us the tools, Lord God. First of all, you give us your wisdom and your word, but you give us your Holy Spirit to walk with us, Lord. So help us to deal with ourselves and then to be united as couples and then to bring up these beautiful children that you've created, to pray for them, to protect them, and to train them in the way they should go, Lord God. What a privilege to bring up kids with you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus.